the blast from our past network. Supernatural, Halloween, exploitation, slashers, and everything in between. Welcome to the Podcasting After Dark Watch List, the show where a guest chooses a topic and the hosts, along with the guest, discuss their top five favorites. Light a candle, hide your Ouija board, and enjoy the Podcasting After Dark Watch List. Welcome to another Podcasting After Dark Watch List. I'm one half of the pad team, Zach. Um, It's my show today. Corey is off, who knows, probably editing another episode of Podcasting After Dark per usual. Um, But today is a really special day on our watch list because quite often I've had people on the show that uh, I was friends with for many years and we talk about movies we mutually love. But then um, through this whole awesome podcasting world that we live in, you connect with people that you have similar interests with. And then you say, hey, we should we should have like a, you know, one on one episode and, and get to know each other. And uh, next thing you know, you're buddies. So joining me today is a really awesome dude. Um, he reached out on Instagram going back and forth, commenting on our mutual love of movies. And the next thing you know, uh, it turns out he is a phenomenal writer and video director, all around radical dude. <laughs> we have with us, uh, I have with us David Irons. David, welcome to Podcasting After Dark, The Watch List. Zach, thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, and thank you for all the praise that you just gave me. That's, that's, that's a wonderful thing. If I could just hire you as like a, my personal praise giver every day of my life, I think I'd be a better human being because of it. It's, um, it's, it's very nice to hear. But well, um, there... no, it's great. This, I mean, like, like you were saying, it's totally true. Like uh, Instagram. That, uh, I kept seeing this thing, podcasting after dark, podcasting after dark, just popping up. And I was like, and you know, like when you see something online, you just don't think. You think, oh, yeah, like that thing. Oh, yeah, like, there's a picture of Robocop. Or there's a picture of Arnie. There's a picture of Fright Night. There's a picture of the new kids. And it just didn't click in my mind at first that, oh, yeah, this is actually a podcast. It's just like, oh, you're just showing me pictures of things I like. And then when I jumped into the podcast, it's just like I fell in love with it. Everything. Just the, the, the whole nine yards. Absolutely love it. And you guys are great. And, it's, and, and the positive spin you put on everything. It's, it's just really nice to hear that, you know, talking about movies. It's, it's, it's refreshing. Well, there's enough negativity in the world uh, on a daily basis, and it's nice. You know, I, I've always been the eternal optimist, uh, and mm-hmm. and trying to look on the, to quote Monty Python, try to look on the bright side of life. Uh, <laughs> no, no reference to the fact that you're in the UK. That's but, fine. Uh, I, I didn't take it. No way. <laughs> well, off air, just for everyone listening, off air, uh, David and I were setting this uh, watch list episode up. And just kind of going back and forth, witty banter. And I dropped a old school Doctor Who reference, like not new Doctor Who, old school, like, you know, uh, the first Doctor, the second Doctor, third, you know, and, and there was a old, I don't think it even aired. It was called Doctor Who and the Dinosaurs, I think. Uh, I think that's I one of the lost episodes, isn't it? I think it's that's one of the, it's one of the ones that's been, yeah, yeah, the, the BBC in their great wisdom threw into a uh, into the garbage, uh, and it's gone forever. <laughs> it's gone forever. I have the trade paperback still. Uh, I read it as a kid, and 
which uh, I, I still have. And uh, yeah, so I dropped an old school reference and like, let's see if he picks up on this, which you did, of course, because of course. we share very similar interests from from 80s movies uh, and video games and synth, our love of synth wave and um Oh, completely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so you, you know, Transformers, the movie with the junkions, you talk TV, I talk TV, too. It's kind of the same (laughs) thing between it's us. (laughs) All I have to say to that is all I have to say to that is uh, ba weep grana weep ninny bomb. bomb. (laughs) (laughs) But getting back to you. um, Yeah, I've had friends on the show, but I've always had friends on the show that are artists in some way doing work that I respect. uh, And and you published is this your first novel that you published uh wolf moon not no, your first... th- th- this is like i've had a bit of a home run for the last year this is the fifth novel this year it's that I've put this out. year wow <laughs> <laughs> no 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 this is the fifth one this year the um it started last summer well i sold my first book um two years ago which okay. was uh night waves which is the story of um, parasitic sea sirens living underneath a pier that take people's faces and identities. Um, And it turns into kind of Lost Boys meets Evil Dead meets Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, And that that came out last year. And then I was listening to another podcast and a guy on there was talking and he said, oh, yeah, I found this press in New Zealand called Severed Press. And uh, I wrote this novel in uh, four weeks and I sold it to them and they liked it and it was out on the shelves. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to try and do that. I'm going to see if I can do this. So I I wrote a novel in three weeks. I sent it to them and in six weeks it was on the shelf. Um, which was insane. It was insane. You go from like having a book coming out for two years. Oh yeah, we're going to have this big release and we're going to do this and you send it to these other guys. And they get severed press are kind of like the Roger Corman of the novel world of, oh, cool. of, of presses. Yeah, they do. They love monster movies. They love, uh, you know, like things under the sea, things under the ground, things from the sky, uh, anything like that. They're, they're, severed press are worth checking out. They do some really. Uh, just fun, quick stuff. Do you know what I mean? Just like uh, they're yeah. like driving quickies, but um, on a uh, uh, on the page. And so I sold that book to them, and then um, I've put out. So that was Night Creepers. So it was Night Waves, the first one. Night Creepers is the second one, which is about Hellspawn uh, attacking people from underneath a graveyard. Uh, awesome. And then, yeah. And then um, and then what came after? Then there was um, I did. Um, Graveyard, Graveyard Billy. Billy, yeah, he was next, and that um I think like you, uh, a big time animal lover, and I um I wanted to do something to um just to just I I have my time's always taken up by things. I just wish I could spend more time um doing some good with animals and for animals, you know, like um just donate my time to like animal sanctuaries and things, which I'm doing that now, but at the time um. I was like, I just want to put a book out that I can sell and just donate money to things that are important to me. Okay. And there was a like a really nice cat sanctuary uh, not too far from where I live, uh, and this old couple run it. And uh, I know they just need as much help as possible. So I, put, I already had Graveyard Billy done. So um, I released it through Amazon, and all the profits from that book go to them and go to cat sanctuaries. Awesome. Um, oh, that's yeah, it's so a great. really it, it's a really nice positive thing, and it's kind of. Uh, and the story is uh, uh, a cat uh, and a ghost trying to fight uh, a supernatural killer. Um, so it's all horror based. It's all horror based stuff. And it's and it's kind of like it's a cross between the Frighteners and a street cat named Bob. It's that okay. kind of thing where the, the cat is talking to the ghosts and uh, the kind of, you know, the Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor, 
uh, hear no evil, see no evil. One of them, yeah, can, yeah, yeah. One of one of them can you know look for a door uh, and say, oh, there's something. What well, we need to get through there, but the other one hasn't got thumbs to open the door. So it's the kind of <laughs> <That's> hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It. So so it's that kind of thing. This this uh, relationship that they build to try and solve this series of murders, and then after that, this this one. And then the other novel, there's four, and uh, I've got a book, a uh, story in an anthology, actually. That's how many are actually out. Um, uh, the one that's going to be released, it should be released in the next two weeks, is um, Polybius. And I don't know if you know about the Polybius um, urban legend. Do you know about no, this? No, not at all. Oh, please. right. Right. You get ready for your next deep dive. Um, apparently. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently in uh, Portland, Oregon, uh, in 1981, there was this mysterious arcade machine. This is, you know, urban legend. So it's as true as this worth, like in yeah. these words, um, uh, this arcade machine turned up and people were going to this arcade in Portland and, and playing it. And they were getting headaches and people were getting sick. And there was talks about it was like a, a put there for a mind manipulation and uh, to test people's eye and physical responses for brain training purposes. And then all of a sudden this arcade machine disappeared. And there's some weird screenshots of it you can find floating around. Um, um, yeah, yeah so, like, you can go online. There's like videos. There's, uh, there's a video on there called The Polybius Legend. And it's like, eight, I think it's like four million views. Like it's this big thing about this Polybius arcade machine. So I took this idea of this mysterious arcade machine and turned it into kids who get stuck uh, in an arcade in Portland uh, overnight. And it kind of becomes uh, the Breakfast Club meets Night of the Living Dead. Oh my um, God, that sounds amazing. It's sounds a, so uh, out of all my novels, that, that one, uh, there was kind of a bidding war between different people for that. That one was like, oh, we, we, we really like this. We can do something with this and um wow. cool yeah that that came out as a hardback um just before the lockdown started okay and it was a uh 250 copies oh wow uh just limited edition hardback 250 copies and the publisher who was hard copy games uh they turned around to me and said okay we're gonna go live now and put the thing up can you share it and i was like yeah that's brilliant right let's share everything so half an hour uh, after they sent this stuff up, right i'll go online and share it started sharing all the links and people were coming back to me going yeah um, i'm just trying to buy your book but it says sold out oh wow and i was like wow. i have no idea about this yet and so we sold all of them out in half an hour then did another 250 and they sold out that day so Whoa. yeah nice. they just flew yeah yeah i know I was, I was so happy i was so happy about that because that one i really put a lot of work into that another one it, I, it, it's something special to me that one it means something to me it's, it's you know like you write things this you have a laugh and you think this is a great little thing but this one was like, yeah, this is this this is something I really got my teeth into. It was like everything I love, the 80s, video games, arcades, horror. It, I, I, I loved it. And that one's getting released again um, next month uh, with with um, do you, I, I don't know if you remember. Do you remember the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Halloween video games for the Atari? Yes, I do. Right. I, I never played them, but I do. Yes. Yeah. Well, the new box art for the book is based on those wizard video covers uh oh, for the awesome. uh, yeah for the so like it's a basically a, a, a fake atari uh box cover for the book which is going to be oh really God. cool yeah Sounds and then <laughs> yeah so it's all been going on a wolf moon is uh a werewolf in space story with the tagline in space there's always a full moon so it's part comedy and part horror yeah they're very true and and uh, to the detriment of everyone uh, who goes into space and doesn't realize that there is always a full moon 
in space I thought when you have a werewolf report. <laughs> I thought you might uh, add the tagline, in space no one can hear you howl, but that might oh, be Oh, where were you when I needed you? Sorry. I, I, am, I, I have my moments. I have my moments. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm here now, and you're here now with me. So, um, yes. you know, for future collaborations, I'm totally down. <laughs> yeah, I think it needs to be done. I think it's something. I think it's something that's gonna happen. I really. Yeah, do. man. Uh, look, yeah, look. For sure. I, look. For, first of all, first of all, uh, we might need to devote an entire episode to just interviewing you, um, because because <laughs> your your back, you the, just 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 your books alone are fantastic. I, I want to know more of your backstory. I know you're also. Your uh your girlfriend is a uh is a, a musician and you directed uh her music videos right? Yes, all of them. Roxy Drive, uh, Roxy Synthwave Foam, yeah, 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 um yeah, and we've had a, a tie-in. If you've seen the Nightwaves music video, that was we made that as a it's kind of an advertisement for my first book, Nightwaves, and it's that's it's, what yeah sent that to me i remember you sent that to me and that's kind of what sparked our relationship our friendship it because did. yeah it's you sent that to me and i was like whoa first of all if you haven't seen it it's on youtube and you can check it out uh it is so damn good and i i just i love your work so so Thank when you. i asked you to be on the show and you said yes i got so excited because uh <laughs> You know, I, I've done I've done this is my fourth watch list now and everybody I've had on I uh, respect and admire and you are now a part of that exclusive club. Uh, yeah. So thank you so much for being on the show. It's because an honor. To, I, I love it. It's brilliant. I'm, 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 I've been looking forward to this all day. I really have all week. This well, is the highlight of my life. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, look, and, and again, it, it, we were saying this on air, off air, but you know, finding the finding the things in your life that bring you joy, find the things in your life that make you happy. This makes me happy getting to talk about some of my favorite genre films. And exactly. you chose the topic today. The topic today specifically is our top five favorite Italian horror films. Yes. Uh, why? Before we get into it, yes. why did you choose this topic? Um, I absolutely love Italian horror films um it's as simple as that really yeah yeah it was um you know back in the day i mean it's that thing you never really realized at the time what an italian horror film was until it was pointed out to you yeah do do you know what i mean by that you'd rent something off the shelf and you'd think oh yeah look at this film this looks this looks great this is like it's an american horror film and you start watching it and you think yeah, there's something a bit off about this American and this American <laughs> horror film. There's there's something a bit strange here, and uh, it, the dubbing immediately is the thing that gives it away. Because yes. it's like, but their mouths, they're they're saying the words, but the words coming out of their mouths don't actually match the movements. Like, what's going on? And it was that kind of process of elimination of looking at these things and all the fake names of the directors on the back. Um, oh God, what one is it? There's there's uh, there's um. Umberto Lenzi, he's got uh, two different, he's got two different American pseudonyms, and one of them's Humber- Humphrey, a very American name, and <laughs> yeah. even more American name than that, which is Vincent Dawn. Um, and oh, yeah. Uh, I can't, yeah, oh yeah, and th- the best one of all, I can't think of the guy's name that made The Visitor, um, but he's, he's a pseudo-American name, is uh, Michael J. Paradise, um, <laughs> which is... <laughs> Actually, that sounds like a synthwave artist now. No, you know? I know, I know, I know. I think you better copyright that as a synthwave artist, to be honest. That's, uh, I think that needs to be done. <laughs> yeah, it was just these weird little things 
about these films where you'd see them and it's like this is supposed to be american but this isn't american there's something yeah. and then when like i say you do your homework and you figure out it's like ah oh, they're italian films. okay i get it and it all starts making sense and i mean i always think of a line of dialogue in uh the new york ripper the lucio fulci film where um <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a foreigner writing american dialogue it completely is and there's an old woman that walks into a, a police station and she and she says, oh, well, I saw the culprit. I think it was her. It was a woman. And she had big hair and expensive gloves, just like those people off that TV show, Dallas. And it's just like, no American says that. Like, you no. just say they look like someone from Dallas. That would be enough. Like, you don't have to describe what Dallas is to make yeah. the point. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's someone foreign trying to talk American. There's that, that kind of gap in the dialogue. Uh, that, that you notice and it was that thing like it was discovering them backwards like you see these films you think i don't understand what's going on here and then find out through fangoria mainly and things like that like oh this is italian and there's this whole subgenre uh, of italian movies yeah you know the the thing about italian films uh that i want to tack on to what, what you just said was you know i i first discovered italian cinema through spaghetti westerns and sure. always felt like a very distinctive difference between an american western versus an italian western obviously uh enjoying italian westerns that much more mm. and it became that pretty much became the benchmark you know of course people always remember the good and bad and the ugly that was not that's not my favorite but um you know once upon a time in the west and and django and 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 people would or you know duck you sucker and like all these great kind of you know gritty films which became the you know what people based everything off from that point on and italian horror you're right i would i would I first discovered it through Fangoria uh, and by accident. I think one of the first movies, which may or may not come up in this list, was um, Zombie. Mm-hmm. And people said, oh, this is the sequel to Dawn of the Dead. And I'm like, oh, OK, cool. I want to watch it. And I watched it. I'm like, this is not the sequel to Dawn of the Dead. What is this? And I won't go too too much into detail about that. But I will say just the fact that, uh, you know, it it. it you're right. It had a different look. The dialogue yeah. was different. The dubbing obviously was stood out. Uh, you'd have one American actor typically in these movies uh, with a bunch of Italian actors. And and then and so you'd have enough to sell an audience on like, no, 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 no. This is this is an American movie kind of pretending almost to be an American film. Um, but obviously, when you said Italian horror, the first thing that jumped in my head was the amount of gore uh, in oh. the in, the music and the gore kind of going hand in hand, these orchestra mm, scores yeah. uh, and sometimes synth scores, you know, precursor to all that stuff um, that we have now. And that's what stood out to me. So I went into a deep dive once you selected the topic, because on our show, obviously, the, the guest chooses the topic. Uh, and it got me so excited to rewatch a lot of movies I hadn't seen in a long time. Um mm. But but hey, why don't we just jump into this? Um, you know, and, and, and obviously, just for listeners' sake, if uh, I or David have uh, mentioned a movie and then one of us has that on our list already, we can always say, "Oh, that's on my list too." Or we might say, "Well, I'm going to bump that one off and then put this one on," and then we'll have a little honorable mention uh, right before we get to our number ones. So. Um, as the guest, would you like to start off with number five? Okay. I will. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, right. My number five from who we just mentioned previously, Umberto Lenzi. 1980, 
Nightmare City. Top of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. Information from an official source, which reached our newsroom this afternoon, stresses the seriousness of the situation. Something very serious has happened at the airport. But until we conclude our investigation and take the necessary countermeasures, nothing is going to leak out. Nothing. This individual and others like him have been subjected to strong doses of atomic radiation, which increase their physical capacities beyond the norm. In short, it's a kind of a Superman. This is Channel 5 TV station. We're being attacked. For God's sakes, send somebody fast. God help us all. Oh, that's a good one. You've that's seen a good it? One. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. It's been Excellent. a while. but. I... <laughs> yes, I like it's. It's got lots of faults to it, like many faults to it. One of them being um, Hugo Stiglitz the star um he wasn't originally he was he no no he's, i mean let's be serious i mean he, we, we know about acting like a lot of it's reaction um yes his reactions are good when something happens there's a bit where he's like trying to make a uh, a, a tv announcement to say oh yeah the, the city's being attacked by da-da, and they cut the feed and he turns around and he goes what the hell are you doing why do you cut it off and it's like oh wow he can't he's doing it he's acting like he's doing it and uh, and then there's a few other things where things happen and he reacts really well. But overall, I mean, he, he's kind of like watching a hostage video. It really is. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yes, yes. The city is being overtaken by these creatures who are atomic men. And it's just and <laughs> I, I've just, I just and I always wondered, like, why did they choose him? And uh, digging into it, what happened was. um Umberto Lenzi, when he had the script originally, God rest his soul, bless him, he wanted John Saxon. He was going to be the star of that film. Um, and I think if John Saxon would have had, I think it would have just elevated the whole film. And yep. I think it could have elevated Umberto Lenzi's career, to be honest. Um, to have John oh, Saxon for sure. in that kind Yeah, yeah, just, it makes the, the, it gives that film that bit more grandeur than it's got. But they had some. I think it was Spanish backers, and yep. they were saying oh, it was Italian. It was something to do with like they they had like an Italian guy and, and a Spanish guy, and they they kind of went into a room, spoke, come out, and they said, "It's the Hugo Stiglitz. He's going to be the big star." And he's just like, yeah, "He can't act. He's terrible." Oh no, trust us, Hugo Stiglitz. He's the one. And it's just <laughs> like, okay, we're making Nightmare City with Hugo Stiglitz, and and all dreams of John Saxon just went out the window. Um, and it, oh, I just. I think it would have been it would have made the movie. It would have been remembered by fans yeah. uh, strongly, more uh, you know, more. Um, it will, but it just more remembered by fans because it was a John Saxon film. I feel. Yeah, I think uh, John Saxon because he was at that time, uh, late seventies, early eighties. He was such a hot name and had yeah. and, and and he would have added. Uh, a lot more credibility to the film. I hadn't seen the movie since it was on VHS uh, right. since I was a kid, but, but I do remember, and this is another thing too about Italian horror films uh, at their, at their base, the root, the, the stories sometimes, or the ideas sometimes are, are what sell you to watch it. And then you mm -hmm. watch and you're like, 
oh, this is not as good as I thought it would be. <laughs> but if I think about the movie, if I think about it, it, it sounds amazing. And that's what I'm going to yes. go with. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, completely. It's, I mean, there's, like I said, there's many faults of it, but it does something that a lot of these other films of that time doesn't do. And um, the, the big thing about it is when you, you think, like, because Umberto Lindsay said, um, there's, there's a great DVD from uh, the, the mid 2000s. Uh, I think it was released on Shock DVD, which is a German releasing company. And they put out Uncut with the soundtrack embedded in the DVD and oh, interviews. Yeah. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. And uh, they put this thing out. And uh, there's this um, uh, interview with um, uh, Umberto Lenzi's home. And then uh, he's sitting there and he goes, Everyone say my movie is zombie movie. It's no zombie movie. Quentin Tarantino, he come up to me and he says, he goes, Umberto, you make the best zombie movie. And he goes, no, no, Quentin, it is contaminated man movie, not zombie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it is, so, and that's what it is. You can't think of it. it is, it's got the basics of a zombie movie, as in people get infected and attack one another. Yeah. They run, they're fast. They're not like your Romero zombies. But the thing that this thing does, um, unlike the Romero zombies, is like you, you think of Night of the Living Dead, it's set on a farmhouse. You sound Dawn of the Dead, it's, it's set in a shopping mall. Day of the Dead, underground bunker. But Nightmare City is set in a city. They had that landscape of there's scenes in the hospital getting attacked, the uh, the town getting attacked, you know, shops getting attacked. It's, it, there's a scale to it that none of the Romero ones really had in a way. And, and that's kind of admirable for the, the budget they're working on with these things in Italy, you know? Yeah, I was I was going to I was going to uh, I'll echo that sentiment. I, I, Romero uh, and and um, this is not taking away from anything uh, no. his body work at all, but his his films are very like indie small scale if you think yeah. about it and 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 yeah, the Italians uh for for however they were able to get their funding whether it was from Spain or not because I think a lot of Italian films did have a Spanish component to it. In fact, my number five is a has a Spanish connection. I think uh, I might know what you've got down as number five. <laughs> well, we'll find out. But yeah, it, the, the scale. I love the scale, man. And and so yeah, you can. These are Italian horror films are some of the best movies to watch with a group of people, uh, or or a drinking night or a game night. You know. Yeah, uh, completely. They're yeah. just they're like so pop much songs. fun. They're like yeah, they totally yeah, are. they're just light. They're they're fun, and you can watch them, and they do what they're supposed to do. That's, that's and I love how always... that's a great that, that's a great way to yeah it, it's it's uh it's ear candy or eye candy yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I was <laughs> gonna say too. Fulci is definitely eye candy. Yeah. Oh, no doubt about that. No doubt about yeah. that. I uh I was gonna say too that you know Umberto Lenzi was uh distancing himself from zombie movies way before the makers of Twenty Eight Days Later exactly. did. Exactly. Uh, Completely, no. yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. It's right? uh, it, it really did, yeah. And I mean, like I say about the scale of, I mean, it starts in an airport. The, the, the whole setup is great. Like you know, the the guys going there to um, interview like a professor, a professor who's landing in America on this plane. It starts in an airport with this plane landing, and it's just full of uh, contam- quote unquote contaminated men. And um, it's uh, it just had that scale to start at the airport and then move through all these different locations. It, it it does give it this this grandeur this this, this epic sense to it that you don't oh, normally yeah. get with these things yeah and it's and I, I you know the, some of the makeups are a bit eh, not so good and you know there's there's problems like I say there's problems with the star uh, to say the least at times but he, <laughs> he does it he's he's not that bad but he's he's I think they shot this in linear order because it, he seems to get better as it goes on. 
maybe maybe it started with like oh, maybe it literally started and he's there doing this thing he's thinking oh jesus christ i don't want to john saxon what am i doing here and then as he warmed up to it he's like oh okay no i can i can do this it's fine but um, i can do <laughs> yeah, but, yeah I, I, but one of the I, and i think i think romero would have loved to have wrote this line um, which is used in Nightmare City, but um, Mel Ferrara stars as um, he's like an army colonel in it, and he's given his men um, yep. instructions about how to kill uh, the contaminated men. And he says, "It's all very easy, gentlemen. All you have to do is aim for the brain." And that is such a good line. It's so perfect. Yeah, it yeah, really he blew is. It. Yeah, oh, Mel, yeah. Mel Ferrara, uh, George Clooney's uncle, and Miguel Ferrara's father, and. I didn't know that about George Clooney's uncle. I didn't know that. That's a... Yeah, um, uh, he because uh, Miguel Ferrer is George Clooney's uh, cousin was because he's no longer with us unfortunately. But yeah, there's mm. a little fun fact there. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number five. I love that Nightmare City. Excellent. I'm very interested. I think I might know what it is, but I'm very interested in your number five now. So my number five is yeah. I, I it it technically falls within the Italian horror. Uh, genre, even though it's directed, it has a Spanish film uh, director, um, and and it's and it's set in the UK. Um, and in my opinion, it is one of the best zombie movies of all time. Uh, it, it's it's under the Italian umbrella because at at, at its core, it, it's an Italian horror film. Right. Uh, okay. Right. It, it is the 19- Oh, I think I know. I was going somewhere else. But oh, I think it I, might, oh, good. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. The, uh, the, my, my number five is the 1974 Spanish Italian horror film, Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, aka The Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue. I applaud you, sir. I applaud you. That's a very, I didn't think of that one. I didn't think of that one. But that's a very good pick. I chose this one because, like I, like I already said, it, 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 I think it technically falls within the Italian horror film genre. Um, yeah, it, it's a it's a very simple story. These kind of beatnik hippies on the on the run <laughs> from cops because they are suspected. It, it's of, like um, um, Russell Brand, uh, uh, 0.1. Totally. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. The uh, uh, what's the, the the Ray Lovelock, which is a great name by the way. That's Ray Lovelock. Yeah. Uh, he yeah, and he looks so cool. It. If you watch this movie uh, now, hipsters will be like, oh, my God, this guy is a dream come true. <laughs> yeah. or, they might say, or hipsters might go, oh, he's totally ripping off what our style. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Probably more of the latter, sadly enough. Yeah, I would yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, this film, <laughs> But what I love about this movie, it kind of has a elements of hammer horror as well, where it has a kind of a slow burn. And then the third act is just utterly gory and violent to the core. Um, just flesh getting ripped off. Zombies walking around who who look they look like more like corpses than than quote unquote zombies. They just. um but that's that's the the beautiful thing about this though, isn't it? Because yeah. I think that's what kind of separates, you know, like zombies from walking corpses. And I think now you think of zombies and you think Walking Dead, and everyone still, everyone looks either like ragged and like eaten away to nothing, or just like humans. Do you know what I mean? There, there's nothing. But they're, they're, these Italian films, they made corpses. They looked dry. Do you know they, yes. they looked like they were dead? They looked like walking corpses, and I, I completely agree with what you said on that. Like that, the, these Italian, especially this one, Living Dead at Manchester Morgue. 
is um is very much good at that making it looks like something dead has come back to life oh yeah yeah there, it, it it really feels it's haunting uh the score is fantastic uh it, it yeah it, it just it has like it has a unique look to it that I think sets it apart from a lot of movies that came out around the same time. Mm. Um, and, and just also like unique in the sense that the, the lead actors are not necessarily likable, uh, but they become likable as the movie progresses. And I, I never saw it as a kid. I saw it uh, back when anchor Bay released it mm-hmm. yeah. on VHS. Um, and then I got the DVD and, and it's the uncut version. It had added like, an extra uh, few minutes to it. I know in the UK it was probably on your band list, wasn't it? I was just about to mention that. Yeah, like a few of these, um, it was actually illegal to own. Like if you had a, if you were a shop selling a copy of this thing, you could uh, face trial and go to prison for it, and wow. which is insane. Um, and living dead at Manchester Morgue, uh, there's a couple on my list. Uh, well, one of them in particular that was on there. Because uh, there was like section one and section two of the the, the video nasties list, and yes. um, yeah, and, and this living at the Manchester morgue was on there, um, yeah, and it's just insane. It's absolutely insane. Um, Mary Whitehouse was uh, she just led this campaign against um, against horror films on video when video came out. You shouldn't have you shouldn't you should not have these things in your home. It's a disgusting thing, and you're disgusting wow. people who watch disgusting wow. films, and it all fell apart. Uh, at the end of it, because it went on for years, and it, and she did an interview with British TV, and uh, the guy said, uh, um, you know, like, um, so so what is it you have against these video nasties? What's you know, like what what was your problem with them? Um, what do you see in these films that you think is a problem for society? And she turned around and said, I would never watch one of these films. And the guy <laughs> said, You've never even seen them. She goes, No, I would never watch a video nasty. I'd never watch a horror film, but I would be quite happily to tell people not to. And thankfully, wow. some common sense came into everything. And uh, and she was kind of ousted as like, you know, the, the, the matriarch of ban the horror film and ban the video nasty. Doesn't even watch one of the bloody things, um, which is just in, insane. insane. But she is. She pushed things through Parliament to get people. I mean, like, Evil Dead was the wow. one. Evil Dead was the one. If you had a copy, an uncut yep. copy of the Evil Dead, you were doomed. And something that's definitely worth uh, people seeking out to watch. And please don't judge my country on this because no. like it's it's it's, it's pretty dreadful. Um, no, trust so me, we had we had uh, Tipper Gore over here, Al Gore's <laughs> Al Gore, who you know for many people like people respect the hell out of him. But uh, his yeah. wife Tipper, I guess she needed something to do, and she spearheaded <laughs> this very similar campaign, you know. To and she's yeah. the one that got we. That's why we have parental advisory stickers to this day. And Dee wanting Snyder, to censor, yeah. in the in the courtroom. Yeah, I've seen that video. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's well, it's uh you know, but we both we both have our our uh, <laughs> problems when it problems. comes to films. Yeah, 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 horror films. Yeah, it's but amazing to me. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, but there's there's a vid- like I say, um, a video of Sam Raimi when he came over here when Evil Dead because he was called to go to court. The judge oh. uh, in England, like in 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 the Crown Court, uh, they they had a screening for of Evil Dead. And uh, the, the judge came out and said, well, let's get this ruffian over here who made this thing. And so he called Sam Raimi all the way over to England to come to testify. And when it came to it, he, uh, you know, they're all in the courtroom and Sam was there. And the judge was like, and, and who is this person? 
And I was like, oh, he's the director of the film. And he was like, well, I don't need to see the director of the film. Why is he here? And so, so Sam Raimi come all the way over here for literally nothing. Just to go into court and say, yeah, I'm, I'm the one that made this disgusting thing you'll hate. And, and he actually did. He actually came over to... Yeah, he wow. came over. Yeah, he came here. When he was here, you can find this on... It's definitely on YouTube, but he did yeah. a, um, uh, a a talk show, like a UK talk show. And um, he went on there to talk about Evil Dead. And he, and it, it's, it's just so embarrassing. It's just embarrassing for me because they just got some real like, hardcore right-wing nutcases um yeah. to, to, just to nail him into the floor like what you're doing sir is disgusting you might get away with these things in america but we're british it's just please find me a rock so i can crawl under it now <laughs> um <laughs> and and it kind i kind of feel when you watch this interview with sam raimi um i think that's why evil dead became a, evil dead 2 became a comedy i think it affected him being really? like having this room full of people just say you're a disgusting human being for what you do. Because he's, you know, he's holding his own. He's saying, well, like, I like Three Stooges and this kind of stuff. And they're all there. And there's oh, just just British people's get worried. It doesn't bloody look like it. It looks like you're one of those bloody sickos. And he's like, oh, oh man. Yeah, don't do this, Britain, please. Come no. on. <laughs> wow well yeah if if people don't know the whole backstory on video nasties uh definitely seek out them i'm sure there's a, a myriad of documentaries online oh and, so many yeah yeah like you said this this film uh the, you know let sleeping corpses lie uh it was on that list so it was shelved it was buried for for years i was able to see it at the egyptian in um in Hollywood, big screen, and I will say, you know, I've had the rare opportunity to see quite a few um, kind of cult classic horror films on the big screen, and it, mm. the the energy level is just different. Um, and yeah, this one's my top five for uh, aforementioned reasons, and the fact that it's just a a cult kind of underground. Not that many people know about it. Of course, you do, and that's why you're on. <laughs> Um, what's your, uh, let's jump to number four. What's your number yeah. four all time? Right. This film, as many of these things do between countries, uh, has lots of different titles. You've mentioned it already. You brought it up. And my number four, 1979, Zombie. Oh, yeah. Also known in my country as Zombie Flesh Eaters. <laughs> <laughs> And that is that was this was the one this was getting talk about the list of the band zombie fleshy is was the one that was doing it that that caused chaos in this country and what's so funny now if you watch this movie now it still is shocking i think it's still shocking but mm. it's tame tame so tame in comparison to other things but this actually was on my top five and uh it was actually my number four and i'm gonna move it off and put something else in its place but zombie is is it, 
here in the states it was like technically the the sequel to dawn of the dead <laughs> yeah, right? i know it's insane isn't it <laughs> so good because why because it takes place in the states initially and then moves over to an <laughs> island i mean oh it actually does this one yeah you get the new york harbor shots don't you yeah it does it yeah does. yeah yeah it's not like somewhere else pretending to be new york it is actually new york in this one yeah that's true but and it's got the iconic uh what is that the splinter in the eye scene yeah that's what got it banned here that that, really? that scene I can um, see why. I can see why. Yeah, oh, completely. Yeah, like I understand. Well, you know, like when you got a, a group of old ladies sitting there going, "Oh, do you find anything offensive about this?" Uh, yeah, splinter through the eye by a zombie hand. Yes, that do it. That will do it. Um, it, it wasn't. It wasn't Ian McCullough that was the offensive thing in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> we used to love his name as kids, like I Ian, McCullough, Ian McCullough. Because uh, how is he? Did you say? No, 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 I said, I said, I love Ian McCulloch. He's oh, great. I love him. Yeah, no, no, I was gonna say, like, no, not personally, like, well, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you on that. But um, the um, <laughs> he, he um, he, uh, he uh, yeah, he's good. He did um, uh, another. I don't want to say the name just in case it's on the list. But he did a few of these at the time, didn't he? Yes, and, he did. Uh, we used to love his name, like Ian McCulloch, because because when you're a kid, you're into all these things, and the McCulloch is the name of a chainsaw. So he's like Ian McCulloch. Yeah, what a name! What a badass! <laughs> what a real main man's name. He's named after a chainsaw. What a good man. And be uh, like Har- Harvey Harvey Shotgun or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Starring Harvey Shotgun. Yeah, the um, <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, yeah, the um, what was it called? Zombie versus Shark, which is a, do you know? I don't know if you've ever seen this. You can Google this and find it. But there's like a, a Windows 7 advert. I don't know if you remember this being, it's an American TV ad. And uh, it's about these guys uh, and they're sitting there about, you know, they're talking about Windows 7. It's like, oh, you can find anything and do anything with Windows 7 and Google and this and that. And someone goes, hmm, what about a zombie fighting a shark? And they play that scene in this Windows commercial. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. And they just cut to uh, zombies, zombie flesh ears, and there's the scene. And they're all sitting there watching it go, cool. And it's an advert for Windows 7. It's absolutely insane. Just I could, When I saw this, thing, I was like, this can't be real. No, it's real. Um, that, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So someone somewhere was a big Lucio Fulci fan and was like, right, this Windows 7 commercial, we're going Italian. Like, and how, how they got that through, who knows? But that, that's, a, that, that's a thing. That's a fact. Wow, that's awesome. I, I, uh, I'm i going to have to look that up. I'm sure it's on YouTube or something, right? It's definitely on YouTube, yeah. yeah. It's definitely on YouTube. You can find it, yeah. Um, oh, I think something that's, that's worth mentioning about this, Fabio Frizzi. Yes, ooh, yeah, of yeah. course. Yes. Yeah, I mean, why do you, what is it about it? What, what, do you, what is it about Fabio that you love so much? I think this soundtrack kind of cements... Um, well, it was a couple of... It was last year, should I say. I actually did the pilgrimage to uh to rome and um i went to i don't know if you know do you know about dario argento's got a shop in in rome do you know about this or not no oh, no it doesn't man. it doesn't surprise me should though man this thing um right it's called uh, profondo rosso which is of course uh, the italian name of course yeah deep red um and behind the counter working in the shop um six days a week luigi cosi director of uh, star crash contamination he just works yeah. in the shop for dario um which is insane so you can walk in there uh go and buy and it's just filled with horror film memorabilia and selling uh, selling like uh th- that's great yeah 
Luigi Cosi, the director, the Italian film director, is working in Dario Argento's shop, selling props, uh, selling uh, DVDs, Blu-rays, T-shirts, soundtracks, masks. Um, and this, like, if you ever get a chance, man, you have to go there. Because underground, like, someone said to me, when you go in there, say you want to see the dungeon. I was like, okay. And I was, went in there. I was talking, obviously, like, fanboying over Luigi Cosi, going, oh, you worked with Hasselhoff and Caroline Monroe, and you made Star Crash with Star- Joe Spinell. Right. And then he was just like, it was really, he's a really nice guy. And Dario's dungeon uh, underneath the building, he has uh, it, like, it's all like uh, prison cells. And you walk okay. down in between these prison cells and they're playing soundtracks to Italian films. And uh, they oh, have, my God. The, yeah, they have all the special effects from uh, everything. I, I can't name the films because they're going to be on my lists. But like, I, uh, yeah. you think of all the Argento films, all the standout makeup effects. Uh, they're all in there, and I think if I think if you check out my huge uh, my Instagram, I've, I videoed it. I just I, I videoed the whole thing walking through his dungeon, and all the special oh, effects cool. and all the props, and it was amazing. And just being in there and talking to Luigi, and because I, I I just spent too much money on uh, soundtracks, <laughs> like far too much money. It's just like, oh, is this everything? No, there's more. There's more. There's more. And um, we started talking about this stuff, and he said, and, and, and he said about uh, Zombie and Fabio Frizzi, and he said this was the turning point because they were slashing the budgets of all these Italian films. It's like, oh, we want you to make this film at this scale, but you're going to get like a million dollars less or fifty thousand dollars less. And he said that Fabio was the one that kind of went full uh, electric with this with this film. He was kind of the turning point where they were all like, okay, let's just do everything electric. Oh, that's um, so cool. Yeah, that's so cool. yeah. He was, he's just, a, I mean, like, Luigi was just like a fountain of information and telling me this. And it made sense because you thought this is what made the 80s sound with electrics, uh, yeah. just because no one had any money for anything else. It's like, we're just going to do it on this. And I know it's, go ahead. No, 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 carry on, carry on. Sorry. No, I was going to, I was going to say too that, uh, you know, what came out of doing things on the cheap was, was groundbreaking and, yeah. uh, and created a future, you know, for artists of today that have tried to take that sound and, and make it, you know, into their own music. So, uh, you know, and like you said, I think Fabio Frisi, um, what now? I, I, well, I saw Goblin at the Egyptian performing mm-hmm. um, live and which was pretty fantastic back in the day. Of course. But, yeah. You know, if you go on any for, for people that are not familiar, you go you watch any. Um, tarantino movie and he samples music from these of artists course. you know because he's <laughs> yeah. man. and so if you hear this piece and you're like what's that from and then go seek out the movie that it actually originally came from um and you know it speaks for itself yeah yeah hot take yeah <laughs> it probably came from is better than tarantino's film well, I'm I'm I'll support that hot take. As you're talking to him, <laughs> going is 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 David in my head right now because he's really saying a lot of the things that I'm thinking. But I have to seek <laughs> out this store in Italy uh, that whenever we travel again, my son, oh, you know, he's fasc- yeah. fascinated with like uh, Greek mythology and everything, so he wants to go over to Greece. And I said, yeah, well, we'll make a stop because I'm I'm Italian. I'm like, let's make a stop in Italy and uh, check out the motherland. So to quote Jack Burton. Uh, <laughs> No, you have to do it. You have to do it. And I know, I know even with everything that's going on now, like, um, I mean, you can find uh, Professor Rondo on Facebook and Instagram. And I, I know they've reopened. I know things in Italy have reopened. 
and Luigi's back in there. I mean, it's just, that's like, it's so good. I mean, like, Luigi writes loads of books because uh, he did loads of, I can't even say the names of some of the things that's in my head because I know they're on the list. And it's just like, he did the special effects <laughs> for some of Argento's films. And he wrote books about how he did these special effects. And so you're in there buying this book by Luigi Cosi, who did the special effects. Oh, yeah, who should I make the book out to? Oh, David Irons. And there he is signing your book for him. And you're talking to the guy who wrote the book that's about awesome. the films that you love. I know. You, honestly, dude, you seriously have to get there if you can. At some point in time, please. It'll happen. It'll happen. It'll yeah. be a podcasting after dark field trip. So. <laughs> oh, that'd be a mate from Darius nice. Dungeon. How there you cool go. Yeah, live, yeah. Live recording. Um, okay, so I'm going to go into my number four, uh, yep. and it is it, it's a it's a '90s uh, Italian horror film that I saw I saw in the theater when it came out because '94 I was just starting to really get into Italian horror, uh, yep. and this one just did it for me. And I dug deeper because of this movie. It's the, yeah, 1994, uh, Della Morte, Della More, a.k.a. Oh, Cemetery Man. So with, I've got the Blu-ray in front of me at this precise moment in time. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. I'm the watchman of the Buffalora Cemetery. My name's Francesco Della Morte. I don't know how the epidemic started. All I know is that some people on the seventh night after their death come back to life. Is it true what they say? That the dead come back to life here at night? With your consent, I'd like to marry Nagy. Not as long, dear, as I've got a breath in my body. We'll fix that right away. Stop killing the dead. If you don't want the dead coming back to life, why don't you just kill the living? Are you listening to me? Don't you believe me? No. I'm tough. That, yeah, that's a, that's a very good one. That's a it very really good is. Yeah. It really, I mean, Rupert Everett, before, this was his first, uh, basically his first, you know, uh, appearance on screen uh, mm. before he before he did any mainstream American films. Anna Falci, who is beyond gorgeous. Uh, yeah, the uh, the front covers um, uh, showing up some some of her assets. Uh, from yes, a, a spectacular shot from the film. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it it originally based on a comic book called Dylan Dog, uh, an Italian comic, and she uh, I I remember being at a Fangoria convention and finding a bootleg VHS copy before obviously before DVD, the the uncut version, and that yep her uh, there's a very interesting uh, romantic scene in a cemetery and that's the cover of the of the dvd as so, it should be as it, as should, it should be yeah. yeah and she's got she's got everything to be proud of everything to be proud of. <laughs> i don't want to get myself in trouble but you know that's... no 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 i completely <laughs> understand all do i but you know you know just go and check out that dvd and admire it for as long as you want and uh, we won't judge you on it no way it's and it's beautiful it's a love letter i think to um it, it was a it was a 90s love letter to fulci to Argento, uh, to some of the greats and Lindsay. And, um, because it, it had come out in a time when we no, there weren't really a whole lot of horror 
Yeah, they were kind of. This was like the dying days, wasn't it? Della yes. Morte, Della Morte, and um, I'm I'm going to say the name of another one, but I I, I don't think it's one of these because I think it kind of ended with Wax Mask, the one that uh, Fulci was supposed to direct in '97, and I think oh, that yeah. yeah, I think I think this '93, then leading up to that, I think these are like literally the last two classic Italian horror films, definitely. I agree. Yeah, I think I think, um, you know, everything goes in waves, right? Westerns mm. died for a while. They came back. Uh, zombie films died for a while. They came back in a big way. Slasher films, too. And they will come back down the road, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, th- it was it was just nice to see that throwback kind of and done in a really, really awesome way. So that's my number four uh, Cemetery Man. It's a yes, and what a pick it is. That's uh, yeah, I love that film. That's a very cool pick. Thank you. What's your number? What's your number three? My number three is from 1985. As soon as I say this, as soon as I say this, you're gonna know. You're gonna know. Starring Jennifer Connolly. Oh, yes. Yes. Phenomena. Yes. Yes. The fawn. Very particular wind. Typical of this part of the country. It comes from the Alps. The blasts of warm air cause snow avalanches. While it blows, there are those who say it causes madness. Have you any idea why they behave like that? Never done this before. It's probably because of me. I guess they sense the mood I'm in. See, she's not afraid of you. You won't do that for me. Ask him to lead you where the dead bodies are hidden, and he'll lead you. That fly is your magic wand. It's perfectly normal for insects to be slightly telepathic. Yeah, it's normal for insects. But am I normal? I love you. I love you all. Maggots and maggots and lots of maggots. I meant to say that at the opening of the show. Larvae and everything that creeps, and you don't want to see it creep in, is in this film. And Jennifer Connelly. So Jennifer Connelly, right after, right after Labyrinth, uh, right around the same time. Oh, that's right, because Labyrinth was '86. That's right. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it makes you wonder whether or not this was how she got Labyrinth. It must have been. They must have seen this and gone, "Ah, yeah, this is, this, this is the girl for Labyrinth." Um, Yeah, really great casting. In weird ways, like you know, there's that dreamlike feel through the way through Phenomena. And yep. I think that kind of relates in some way to Labyrinth, you know. Oh, totally, totally. I think mm. she uh, uh, she was perfectly cast in that film. Um, I I love that movie equally as well. I think it's I think it's uh, it, there. There's been many different versions on VHS and DVD, and finally the Creepers Creepers yep. version. Yeah. And yeah. people people might not know this about 
you know, nowadays people go, oh, Shout Factory's got everything, or oh, um, Arrow, and and there's all these great other indie Blu-ray uh, companies out there right now putting out grids. But Anchor Bay kind of was the only one at the time that was doing stuff like this. A hundred percent, yeah, they were. They, but they had everything, didn't they? They had the whole catalog of anything they could get. There. I, I think at that time people didn't realize what a commodity these Italian horror films were so they just like swept the board and got everything didn't they and released it they they did they, they had it all yeah they did and then i think from from there because i think bill lustig was working with anchor bay he, he was, that's yeah, when yeah. he got blue underground um the offshoot but I, I think that that was actually honestly the first time i saw phenomenon when is when it came out on anchor bay on vhs and uh and i'm like wait a minute donald pleasance is in this in a small role <laughs> scottish donald pleasance as well yes. like yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, yeah, I, pleasance. Forget, I just forget that he's scottish and, and every time when i like when i went to, to, back to rewatch it this week and he's and he's with the with the monkey and the first thing he says to the monkey is oh you're naughty girl and i was like oh yeah it's scottish i forgot about <laughs> it just always takes me by surprise oh yeah scottish donald pleasance okay it's fine i think i think he pretty much would if, if you gave him enough money oh, uh he was kind of like the Eric Roberts of his time. Like he would just oh, definitely. Do- yeah. 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 And with the, but yeah, I think he is because Eric Roberts does everything with a smile on his face. He wants to yes. do it. Yeah. I'll come and do this. And I think Donald Pleasance was the same. I think he went to do Yeah. Yeah. I'll gladly do this Italian film. Like it's, it's not a problem. Um, what's the one, what's the one where Donald Pleasance is all dressed in black latex? Is it Puma man? Have you seen oh, that? No, I don't think I've seen that. <laughs> Well, yeah. I don't know if you should. I don't, I don't know if you need to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's, like a, it's like a superhero thing, like Puma Man and Donald Pleasance is like the the, the bad, like basically being the James Bond bad guy. But yeah. He's wearing like a leather S and M dominatrix kind of outfit. <laughs> what is he wearing? And he's just do there, you want like, me to song? I will I will wear whatever you want me to wear. Just give me the right amount of money. So yeah, maybe you did it with a Scottish <laughs> accent. Oh, I'll put it on. Not a problem. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> oh, phenomenon. Phenomenal choice. If, sorry, that's bad. Yes. Um, <laughs> my... One thing about that, one thing I'd like to, I don't know if you've ever heard, I just want to put this out there so people can find it because I really think it's worth finding. Um, there, have you ever played the SNES game, uh, Super Nintendo game, Clock Tower? Have you ever heard of that one? I've heard of the game, I've never played it. Right, it's, it's basically the video game of Phenomenon. They what? took everything. Yeah, you got you got just to do like a, put a walkthrough into YouTube or everything else. It's exactly the same thing. The with girl, maggots. With maggots, with like the little kid killer. Um, instead of being set in Switzerland, it's set in a mansion in Norway. Um, it's 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 everything. You look at it, the music's nigh on the same. There's like these animated graphics of the girl, and it's like you've just taken screen grabs from Phenomena. It's Jennifer Connelly, and the and the girl is called Jennifer in the game um she's an exchange student it's everything exactly and the same so if you want to play phenomena the video game find clock tower on snes it's exactly clock it's, tower it's, clock tower is the one okay yeah. wow i'll have to uh have to throw a link up on our instagram to to show people the game or whatever you're dropping you're dropping knowledge like uh you know i, I was trying to think of a bad rap pun from the 90s but damn dude you're you're getting <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm really impressed. You're yeah, dropping not... knowledge like a bowl of porridge. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you said when you said SNES, I was like, uh, uh, there was a line from a, 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 what is it a House of Pain song, Jump Around, where he's like, I'll play you like you were Sega. And I remember people <laughs> yeah. like Sega. 
<laughs> Sega's not. It's so inferior to Nintendo, man. I'm like, I actually like Sega. But, um, I I love the. I think Genesis is better than Hot Take again. I think it's better than Super Nintendo. I agree, and I will say I think the Sega Master System is better than the Nintendo original yeah. system. Yeah. Uh, personally, just it had a more I, the variety it had a cooler gun. It had a cooler controller oh, where you yeah, can actually sure. a screw in a screw in joystick. Um, yeah. Good stuff. This, this is like hot, welcome to Hot Take Central. We're, we're, <laughs> we're dropping it all today. Everything's coming up. Hey, and again, if you don't agree with what we're saying, I always throw up the the gif of uh, the dude from Big Lebowski where he's like, that's just like your opinion, man. Like, we're all allowed. You know, it's all good. It's all love here. That's um, true. Yeah, it's the true. maggots The maggots always stood out to me. Uh, one of the mo- movies that I left off my list specifically uh, was because of how much it grossed me out as a kid, and still to this day, just uh, it just grosses me out. The City of the Living Dead. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's not on my list. That's not on my list. But yeah, that that scene with uh, Katarina McCall, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And they're firing the maggots. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's well, you can see there's there's moments on there where you can just see actors when they're not acting, when it's like, oh, what am I doing? And I think that scene's definitely one of those scenes you, you should, no, no one looks comfortable with anything that's happening and not because it's a scary scene it's because something disgusting is being done to them yeah and you know this is way before uh me too movement way before any sort of movements where we were we were saying hey i don't know if we should this might be a little too much you know this is the this is the era of um warner herzog and radical oh, yeah. directors putting their actors use basically looking at their actors like props and using hmm. them as such so and not really caring but there there you go it's also timely too you know it's like what are you going to do you, you can't go back in time and change these things now you can watch it and go oh i feel bad for her but it's really gory too so yeah yeah completely it's um you know it, it was a completely different time and that's how you got to look the eyes you have to put on the glasses you have to put on when you look at these things you can't totally. judge them by now standards you, you judge it by like this happened then and exactly. there's you know it, it, it is what it is and uh, yeah, it, it just happens to be people blowing maggots into actors' faces, which is right. a wonderful experience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I think I'm ready to do another hot take on you. So uh, this Go is on. my number three. My number three is, um, I don't want to give too much away. I'm just going to say what it is. Maybe I'll save the hot take for later. Then my number three is another 80s, mid-80s movie, the 1985 film. When you said 1985, I thought, oh, he's going to drop this movie. Uh, but you didn't. So I'm excited about that. So far we've been, I only had to switch out one of my movies. Uh, the 1985, hopefully you're watching the unrated version, Lumberto Bava classic demons. Oh, of course it's on my list. You've got, I can't change it. I can't change it where it is. You can keep it. You can keep it where it's at. And I have a feeling, um, I have a feeling I know why or what number it's going to be on. Uh, so I'll give a little bit of it of why I love it. And then when we, when, when you get to it on your list, we'll go in deeper Okay. Uh, okay. because, because I have, it's just number three, but I love this movie. I, I will just say um, I was introduced to this film in the video store, uh, walking up and down the aisles when I saw uh, this, as you well know, and, and listeners know, I, I love soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I definitely. See, yeah. I see the box cover, which wasn't, which you know, very haunting with the with the people rising from the um with the shadows like the zombies, yeah. and in the blue behind them. And I see like in the corner of the box it says soundtrack featuring Motley Crue, Rick <sighs> oh, Field, Go West, Billy Idol, except 
Saxon. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's everything I love about music. It's, oh, you know, <laughs> it's cheesy 80s pop and it's heavy metal. And then I watch the movie. I'm like, oh, I don't really hear much of the, okay, well, it doesn't matter. I still love it anyways. So we'll, we'll get into it later. Why you do love you, it. Do you want to know something about that? They actually cut some of those songs out for the American release. Really? Yeah, they did. They did. Because oh you you guys have got a completely different. I, I didn't realize this until um, Arrow released uh, the Blu-ray here. And um, I got the thing, started watching it. And I thought, there's something seriously wrong with this. What is going on with this copy? And yeah. there was an American dub and a European dub. And normally when you got Italian films uh, like us, it was all the same thing. It was an English dub. But for some reason, Demons has an exclusive American dub. And when uh, Arrow released the first Blu-ray of it here, they used really? the American dub. Yeah, some of the voices are different. Um, the music's different. Uh, I think the Iron Maiden song's been completely eliminated from the US cut. Um, oh. I think it's one of them's been eliminated, or it's been replaced with something else. There's, but it's complete. like once, once in, when I was watching, I was like, what the hell am I watching? And yeah. you know the guy in, in the cinema, when he, he, <laughs> it's like an abusive husband with his wife in the cinema yes and yes. she's like why are you bringing us here on my on our anniversary he's like shut <laughs> up it's free it's just like oh my god <laughs> what is this but that scene when they're in the cinema that 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 guy was the first moment when i really when it was like when it dawned on me like completely this is all different because there's wow. a bit where the, the prostitutes are talking in the background and in the, in the european version he looks over the seats uh, in in the European version, and his dub is horrors. I knew it. And then we always used to laugh at this. Like, yeah, like, totally. I, I know. Like, what yeah, like whores. But in the American version, he looks over uh, and he looks back and he goes, huh, "Fucking hookers." Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. huh? Like, wow. That's not the line. That's not the line. And it, and the, you know the punks. The punks' names are all different, and there's different deliveries on all their lines. Uh, uh, the music's different. It, honestly, if you've got the blue, if you've got the, the Synapse Blu-ray is the one that you want to own on that. And if you play it normally, it has uh, the US audio, but just hit the audio button and then it goes to the, the, the proper quote unquote English European version of all the music and all the, the proper dubbing. Okay, I have to check and see which version I have, but um, if I don't, then I guess I'm going on eBay today and, and, and owning this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> wow. yeah. I, like, yeah, they completely changed. I have no idea why they... It's, it's, I think it was kind of that Mad Max thing, like you got the, the American version of Mad Max. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, with all the dubbing. And I think they did the same thing for this. For some reason, I have no idea why. Because well, everyone's maybe... got, still got the fake American accents, you know, like the pimps. Yeah. Still good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pimp still sounds like a quote-unquote New York pimp. Hey, like, come on, this, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We gotta get to the projection booth. It's still like that. Still. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So okay, so so um, I guess quite possibly this will come up if we do a watch list episode where we talk about. Uh, the worst U.S. soundtrack uh, debacles ever on movies. <laughs> yeah, I think it could be because the, the soundtrack is pretty oh. flat for the U.S. release. Because on the on the opening, even the opening bars of the U.K. one, uh, the European one, there's, it's kind of got this mystical feel, and it's got this little motif that goes all the way through it. It's like this weird little, and it kind of feels like it's been cut and chopped, and it gives it this really odd feel. And on the U.S. one, it just it just got this monotone. It just doesn't have the same feel. Oh. It get this little mystical kind of 
uh, uh, motif at the beginning of the European one. It definitely it sets it up and it repeats over and over when anything from the scream is coming to life in reality. So yeah. it's kind of that John Carpenter thing. Do you know what I mean? Like he gives it a little theme through it. When something's happening, this thing, yep. and it's gone. It's gone from the US cut. No. It, oh yeah, I, know, I know. Who knows why they do these things? Who knows? Uh, well, when we when we when we get to it on your list, I'll 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 talk about how why I love it. So uh, so this will be oh, the, the, the the crapping on part, and then uh, <laughs> we'll talk about yeah. it. so. Uh, but but now we're in our number twos, right? So who is oh, who's two. on your number two? Right, number two, uh, nineteen eighty-seven, and this one I think this one might have the most alternative titles in Italy alone. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, as you know, that's a big thing with these Italian films. This one's just silly. Um, it's known as Deliria. It's known as Aquarius. It's known as The Bloody Bird. But overall, it's known as Stage Fright. Nice choice. Wow. Very I kind of out of the park one. I like that. You've, you've, uh, you've seen it? You know the film? I've never seen it. I know it. I know the post. I know the poster, but I've actually never seen it. This thing, it's um, Mikhail Suave, or if you're looking at an American prince, Michael Suave, because of course that sounds more American. Um, is the director. Um, director of Cemetery Man, obviously. Exactly. Yeah, this was his first film, and wow. um, okay. as rumor would have it, Dario, because he he's in Demons, he's in he's like a, a he um. First unit director, or second unit director, should I say, on loads of the Dario Argento stuff. And he also yep. stars in them. And he did a few uh, Lucio Fulci films, or just acted in them. Um, but this was his first time directing. And I think, I've read and uh, heard stuff where Dario was just kind of, oh yeah, you go and make your, you know, stage right movie. We've been making the big Dario Argento movies here, but oh yeah, good luck with directing. Because it had nothing to do with Dario. Dario's not producer on this or anything else. Nope. And when Dario saw this thing, I think he kind of underestimated him. And he thought, oh, shit, okay. Well, yeah, you need to come back and work with me again because this is really good. And it was only uh, a year later, I think it was a year or two years later, that Dario did Opera, which is kind of similar in some ways. And it was yeah, kind of like yeah. his version of stage fright in a way. And I think that really made uh, Dario stand up because later on he went on to – he gave uh, Mikel Suave um, – uh, the church and the sect to direct as well. Um, the church is a classic as well. The church is amazing. Um, but this film, this film really kind of, it, this film changed a lot of things for me. It kind of made a okay. really big impact. Um, do I have like a second to just talk about a story that relates to why this thing really affected me as it did? Please do. I, I have no real familiarity with this movie, so please go for it. Right, this is this is a very insane story, but it makes sense. So bear with me on this. Back when I was a kid, uh, early eighties. Um, I don't know if you have these. I don't, I don't know what you would call this in America, but do you have like markets where people turn up to sell stuff? Like they have like a table and they put things on it to sell things. Yeah, yeah, uh, like flea market kind of thing. Yep. Like a flea market kind of thing. And it was about, I think it was about 82, 83, something like that. And we went, this is just bizarre. Even when I think about it, it's just ridiculous. We went to one of these markets and there was this big sign for Empire Strikes Back coming soon. Like, you know, we're going to, a special school, because I used to live in the middle of nowhere on this farm in like, nowheresville as a kid for a few years. 
And it was like, oh, we're going to do this special screening of Empire Strikes Back. And it's in cooperation with um, an anti-smoking campaign. Okay. And they had this table, and this is no word of a lie. Uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, Empire Strikes Back is the sequel to Star Wars. I need to see this thing. I really want to see it. And um, so my, I remember my mum was talking to the lady opposite the thing. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's going to be like, I don't know, five pounds for a ticket to see this. It's going to be shown at like a hall because there was no cinemas anywhere where we lived. Like we really lived in the middle of nowhere. We're going to have this special screening of it. And we've got a competition as well for the anti-smoking campaign. It's like, oh, what's the competition? And she had a jar with a pair of diseased lungs on this table oh. filled with cigarette butts. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Right, you know what? And she goes, right, this is a pair of diseased lungs. Disgusting, aren't they? I'm just like, yeah. yeah, that's absolutely horrifying and foul. And, uh, <laughs> and she was like, well, here's the competition. If you want to go to the screening of uh, Empire Strikes Back, uh, you know, you pay the money and you also go into a competition to win a prize. But you have to guess how many cigarette butts are floating around the set of diseased lungs. Oh, it's my just, God. Yeah, and, and, and I oh, I think back to this. This happened. This was part of my life. Like, this would never happen to anyone now. Like, this was a definitely a, like, a product of the time. No, the, so, people would people would do, like, uh, guess the jelly beans in the jar. You know, like something kid-related. <laughs> Not guess the uh, disgusting cigarettes in the... <laughs> hilarious around the diseased lungs yeah, yeah. just like what am i looking at and uh, <laughs> and so we stood there and i remember my mum talked to the woman and i stood there and started counting the cigarette parts da, 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 da. Oh, okay and so I, I kind of you know looked around it and counted them one I, I thought okay you know and my mom's like, oh you want to see empire strikes back i was like yeah yeah well, let's buy the tickets you have to fill out the form and you, you put down she goes oh you had enough looking at them yeah yeah the, the, the diseased lungs and cigarette butts yeah yeah sure so we filled the thing out yeah there's my guess how many cigarettes are in there okay got the tickets to empire strikes back and it was like a month later or something like that and uh went to the screening of um empire strikes back uh, which is in like this big village hall thing. They had like a projector there. Absolutely loved it. You know, you watch the film. Okay, Darth Vader's an absolutely awful human, you know, awful creature, alien, human being, whatever he is. Like, you, yeah. you know, that you get those feelings like, oh, he's, in that one, he's a real bad guy, isn't he? Like, he, he defeats everyone. And so we watched the film. And uh, then they come out and they go, oh, yeah, now we're going to have uh, uh, the competition, you know, about the diseased lungs. And they build up the bloody diseased lungs again. Oh, onto the side of this. There they are. Just in case you forgot. There they are, kids. The diseased lungs. OK, great. And we've also got a very special guest here as well. And they played the Imperial March theme. And Darth Vader walked out on the stage. A guy in the costume come out to stand there. <laughs> and there, there was, next to a jar of diseased lungs. And uh, as a kid, it just flipped my mind. That whole feeling of something from the screen has just become reality. Yeah. And and I was sitting there like, oh my god. And this guy in the Darth Vader outfit comes out and he, and and says like, I hope you've enjoyed my film. Now we will release who the winner of the competition is. And you're like, oh okay. And of course, <laughs> the winner is David Irons. And on my no way. Yeah, my whole world just crumbled because like, come up onto the stage come up onto the stage and meet darth vader and there was like this border behind fantasy and reality that was just shattered to a million pieces walking up on this stage and they were like and, and then there's darth vader going well done you correctly guessed the amount of cigarettes next to my diseased lungs <laughs> oh, it's so thanks weird. mr vader 
so and, uh, I actually won like a Star Wars. I think it was um, the Atat Walker was like oh, the top sweet. prize. Yeah, yeah, I got the Atat Walker. There you go. You've got the and it was like an amazing moment. But that thing, that moment of like crossing onto this stage and and being part of this thing, it was like, oh, you've you've just met the person from this. I was so young. It just blew my mind. Like, I can't believe, like, I'm here. Like, what is reality at that moment in time? What, what remember, is the reality of this? It's The reality the, was... The number of cigarettes? I think it was, like, 211. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, I do remember. Um, but that, that, that really affected me. That moment where it's like you're crossing that line onto a stage and then going into another reality really affected me as a kid. And years later, we were watching, I don't know, like a friend or like it could have been my dad or someone uh, rented a video and we were watching the trailers at the beginning and the Stage Fright trailer came on. And there's a moment in Stage Fright where, because it's about a, a, a play uh, about a killer, like a, a, a musical, uh, it's like a musical slasher uh, performance they're putting on. And the actual, there's an actual slasher who breaks in to the building where they're putting on this performance and he gets in the killer's outfit for being on stage and the director's there um about to direct this because this is like the 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 night before the opening performance so they do run into everything and he goes right let's get this thing going okay right let's get everyone into position here and he gets the girl on the bed and he's going where's the killer where is the killer and this guy comes walking out he thinks he's his actor and someone else starts talking to him distracts him and he's going right just carry on carry on with the performance this guy walks up to the girl on the bed and grabs her neck and starts strangling her and in front of all these people were just watching it like a performance and she's choking and flailing around and the director is talking to someone else and distracted he looks back to the stage he's like what is this come on killer killer and all of a sudden the killer pulls out this massive knife and the, and the director shouts what the hell is the knife for and this guy just stabs the girl to death on this stage in front of everyone and that scene in the trailer, it just brought back the Darth Vader thing about like what's reality wow. at that moment in point in time, and it, and it blew my mind. It absolutely blew my mind. And I hadn't seen this film for years, and then always that scene always sat in my mind. When I got back into Italian horror, um, like there was a trailer that I saw. When I got back into the Italian horror thing, and it was like yeah. going through, oh yeah, what's this film? What's this film? And I got to stage fright, and I was like, oh my god, this is the one. This is that film from the trailer and Darth Vader and the lungs and all this stuff just came flooding back. This feeling of like, yeah, that's terrifying. That moment, because it's like when you first meet an actor, but when, you, when you're a kid, you're unexperienced being around an actor. You might have felt this or know someone who has. When they start acting, some people, it blows their mind. Like, yeah. oh, you, you, it's, oh, you're like a different person now. It's, and it's, it was that feeling as a kid. I had, and this this film gives me that feeling, and it made a massive impact. I I can totally uh, envision that story, and I can totally relate that to that. And I think one of the reasons why I, a lot of the movies I choose for podcasting after dark uh, are based on childhood experiences for me that uh-huh. just stayed with me. So that makes so much sense why you would that this film resonated with you because it had such a visceral reaction from your, your childhood um, joy slash trauma. <laughs> <laughs> it really was joy slash trauma. It really was. Yeah. It was, uh, they're kind it, of one of the same in my opinion. So yeah, 
it really was. And this, this film, wow. um, yeah, it affected a lot of things. Like the first film I ever made was the student film. Uh, it was called Casting Call. And it was about a guy holding a casting and the, the, the girl that turns up may or may not be dead or may not be a ghost. And you don't really know what's happened. There's this play with reality and that, it did. It just affected me in a huge way. And this is, this is, yeah, yeah. This is why it's number two. This was very important to me, this film. Man, uh, wow. Talk about a, you know, oh, this is my number two just because it's good, done. No, this is my number two. So <laughs> <laughs> I have therapy because of it. Uh, wow, great, great. Show. Well, I'm going to go. Stage Fright is now on my list. I will watch it uh, very eagerly and know that when I do watch it, have you in mind and have that story in mind as well. And <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll dress up as, as Darth Vader. I'm just oh, joking. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm getting no, flashbacks. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> um, I'm going to go to my number two. And it's going to be, this is my hot take. So my number two is a sequel. Uh, I'm just going to jump in. 1986 Demons 2. Oh, yes. And I chose the sequel over the original, which I love. And I have a feeling, I mean, it's pretty obvious now where Demons will fall on your list. uh, Because we only have one way to go. But I will say the reason why Demons 2 uh, goes over Demons 1 for me is is because I've always been fascinated uh, with uh high rises and um and and the feeling of isolation in these weird kind of hotels mm-hmm. um i i'm not saying the story's better in in, in many ways it's 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 basically just a retelling of the first one but <laughs> people come Down- back to life from yeah, the yeah, exactly. the one. yeah. You're like, wait a minute weren't you the pimp in the okay <laughs> yeah. yeah come on got the same guy doing the dubbing for the for um what is it oh, benny God. something Oh, it's Bobby uh, Rhodes is the actor, Bobby Rhodes, yeah. He doesn't talk anything like that. He's got the no, thickest sure. Italian accent ever. There's like oh, pictures sure. of him from conventions, and he's like, oh, thank you for enjoying my films of Italian <laughs> demoni. And it's just like, yeah, you don't sound like a New York film. Not in a slight. So, <laughs> you adopt, pal. Well, for people that don't know, he's basically like the Ken Forey of, uh, of, these, of these zombie movies in, in a way, you know, uh, like the Italian Ken Forey, if you will. But yeah, but, uh, but yeah, the, the, in this movie, again, like the soundtrack uh, was plastered on the on the cassette box at, uh, <laughs> you know, featuring music of the Smiths. Gene loves Jezebel, the cult. Art of Noise, Peter Murphy, Dead Can Dance, Love and Rockets. And I'm like, eh, I like the Smiths and the Cult. <laughs> so, <laughs> Did but, you know no, about but... the story about the soundtrack to this? About how it no, came I to don't. be? No, I don't. Please, yeah, please yeah. tell me. Um, uh, basically, um, because I had the first one, which was Claudio Simonetti, who did the soundtrack. And yep. um, Dario had a deal with um, some record companies to get extra funding because like I said they were slashing the budgets of these films as much as they were slashing things on screen they were just losing money like you know the the last one cost three million oh then the next one's going to cost two and they were just going down but Dario did a deal with uh, some record companies and said oh well like if you you know I'm going to get this film released everywhere so why don't you like give us some music and you know throw us a bit of money and we can give you some free advertising and that's how they kept it all going and with the first one like I said it was heavy metal and Claudio Simonetti and Claudio couldn't do the music for Demons 2 because he was doing Phenomena at the time and th- there's the heavy metal music in Phenomena like the, the Iron Maiden and the Motorhead and yep. everything else yep. and so he was looking for someone else and um, he found Simon Boswell who's uh, he's a Brit he lives uh, he, not far from where I used to live in East London 
And um, he found him and he said, oh, we're going to do a similar thing. And we're going to do, you know, like the electric music and we're going to have heavy metal. And he, and and uh, Simon Boswell said, well, like, you've done the heavy metal and the electric for the last one. Why don't we go more like um, electric goth music, um, yeah. new wavy, like the, the Smith stuff and the cult stuff away from the heavy metal. So it's his influence that, that, that went that way with this film, to be honest. I, it resonates with me. It does. Mm. That 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 makes total sense. Um, they, they both on on a visceral. It's one of the few times that the the sequel, the the original and the sequel, like I feel like they're two separate entities, but one of the same, obviously, because they're you know one wouldn't have happened without the other. But I just I love this movie, and I love yeah I love the soundtrack. Uh, that's a great that's a great fun fact tidbit. Thank you, dude. I I that that um. This and is also the thing the... with the music. The thing with them, when he actually composed the music, he just did it in a flat in East London, because Daryl wow. was like, "Oh, because it was that distance." Yeah. Daryl was like, "Oh, you have big sound system and you have everything." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He just did it in like a kitchen and just made the soundtrack. Wow. To the... Oh, it's insane, isn't it? That's talent. That is that is the sign of pure talent when you yeah, can do and... something on that low budget and hand it in to like someone like Daryl and he's, oh, "I love it. Let's put it in the film." It makes you appreciate the movie that much more when you know stuff like that, in my opinion, um, yeah. because because it, it show yeah it shows the the true talent behind something versus being a big budget and having it stink, you know. Um, well, you can I have everything that. when you've got a big budget. This is the thing, yeah. isn't it? So like, basically, there's no end. I want this. I want that. And it's just like piling. It's like having a cake and going, well, yep. that's not the cake that I wanted. Let's just put more cake on the cake and make bigger <laughs> cake. And and and, these, and it just turns into like this like hideous monstrosity in the end. But with these yeah. things, it's like you've got literally, you know, a rock, a stick, a piece of rope and no money. Can we do something with it? Yeah, we can do something with it. And then you make it's like it's like it's like an artist and then uh, just uh, pure fabrication, corporate, just a, a piece of corporate slop. Let's just you know, yeah. we've got money. We can just keep throwing stuff at it or you give the artist something. What can you create with this? Or oh, we can create something. And I think create this. What, yeah. And that's why these movies are on top of our list versus, uh, you know, something that we're not doing a, a top five favorite uh you know mainstream horror films kind of thing so <laughs> top five favorite harry potter and uh yeah uh, hunger games films <laughs> yes. right? like, yeah Ooh, that's our next watch list how did spoiler alert um yeah, i was i was just lastly i was just gonna add that uh yeah asia argento's first film she ever did uh asia argento uh, if i'm saying that correctly and um and yeah, I love this movie. Uh, it, it's great late night creep the shit out of you, mm. fun romp. But through um, the TV through the TV screen scene. Yes, yeah, the al- yeah the alternative to, and I think that's maybe what freaked me out more because yeah. in obviously in Demons One they're coming out of the screen, in Demons Two it's it's they're coming out of the television, and being late, being home alone a lot as a kid, my mom being out, uh, the TV you, being you're like, literally like that kid in the film. There's a little boy in the film, isn't there? He's stuck in the apartment complex, and he's just like, and he's watching the things, like sitting there transfixed and terrified, unable to look away from the screen while demons are killing people. It's, uh, yeah, oh, man. I, it's exactly why. It's because that was me. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. I, I just felt like I could relate and in this weird way, and that's what freaked me out even more. My brother would be like, "Here, watch this. I'm going out with my friends. Bye." <laughs> Like, wait, where are you going? Cagoon. The doors closed. The lights are out. My mom's out on a date. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, hiding under the covers, but I can't look away, kind of thing. So yeah, that's uh, there you wow. go. Um, before we get to number one, 
Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, I don't know if you have like a, an honorable mention. I have one movie I want to throw out that, that kind of, um, is an homage, a modern day homage to Italian horror films. Do you have a, an honorable mention you'd like to mention? I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, do you want to go for your one first? Sure. Sure. Yeah, um, we, we had, he didn't, he's not directly responsible for this film, but, uh, Steve Kostansky, who we had on the on the show, uh, director of The Void and the upcoming Psycho Gorman. Uh, he works for this company or worked with this company, uh, Astron mm-hmm. 6. In, in 2014, they put out a great homage to Italian giallo slasher films, and it's called The Editor. Um, I've been wanting to see this for a very long time. It's great. It's great. I, I won't I won't spoil anything because it's, it's fairly recent, and I don't want anybody to... Um, you know, go, oh, you ruined that best part of the movie. But it, it is it is a dark comedy. It's definitely a, a dark comedy, um, but it stars all the Astron 6 guys. And if you don't know who Astron 6 is, they, they do movies like Father's Day and Manborg and <laughs> yeah. a series called Divorce Dad, which is really hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's, it's got Udo Kier in it. Um, right. and, then, and then the dude from Human Centipede, uh, I think Lawrence Harvey, I, I mean, whatever. It's You'll yeah. just recognize him and go, oh, yeah. And then a uh, 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 Spanish actress named uh, Paz uh, de la Huerta, who's uh, beautiful, and she plays a really funny character in the movie. Um, it's yeah, it's it's an homage. It's it's basically the Shaun of the Dead for uh, Giallo films. That's uh, amazing. Yeah, and it's great. It's great. It, it it's definitely worth watching. Definitely worth owning because I think you can get the Blu-ray for like under ten bucks at this point, um, or maybe a little bit more. But yeah, the editor. I'm just gonna throw that out there. It's fantastic. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely gonna check that. I, I think I've seen. Weirdly enough, I think I've seen the making of of that film on like YouTube or something. And it was like, oh yeah, I need to watch that. And it just fell into the void of my brain. And when you mentioned it, then it was just like, I do need to watch this. Definitely. Yeah, it's great. It, it's it's a great modern modern horror film. But um, yeah. But, but hey, you're our guest. You're the reason why we're doing this. What are, what's one of your honorable mentions? Um, I would like to mention. Um, Delirium. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's a Lamberto Barber film from back in the. I think it was eighty. I've got the Blu-ray in front of me now. Um, I, I know it. Haven't seen. Yeah, no, that is Lamberto Barber's a weird one because he did lots of TV work, but he did a few of these feature films. And that one, it's it's just like your normal kind of. Um, uh, it's kind of a. Have you seen Brian De Palma's Body Double? Yes. It's kind of like a slasher film version version of that. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it works quite well. And there's some really weird set pieces where you see things through the killer's eyes. And it all goes a bit Salvador Dali and a bit surreal. Like if you see something about like a girl, oh, I like her eyes. Like he gets obsessed about that. Then you see the girl and her face is a giant eyeball and she's walking wow. around. And yeah, it, it's, it's a very odd film. But oh, um, sounds so good. It, it's worth watching and something... Um, our dear friend Corey, I think, would really appreciate this. Um, I don't know, you know which road we're going down now. Um, I, uh, talking about <laughs> synthwave and uh, Italia Disco. Do you know the uh, uh, singer Sabrina, who did Boys, I, Boys, Boys, and yes, from the eighties? Um, it's never credited on the DVDs, but she actually stars in this film. And um, oh. well, let's just say, rather than Boys, 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 you get well, boobs, 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 <laughs> and it's Corey's it's, like sold. 
The AC, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, it's gone already. Yeah, yeah, one left on Amazon, none left on Amazon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, she turns up in, and I didn't even realise at first. I was watching the film. It's like, hang on a second, I know her from something, and then I figured it out, and it's like, oh yeah, Sabrina, um, Italia Disco. Um, nice. Yeah, but that, that's a, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's an odd film. It's a very odd film, but it's um it's it's interesting. And it was when the budgets were getting limited, and again, what we were talking about, you have to be more creative. And they went away with it, which I wouldn't say works all the time. This surrealist kind of imagery of seeing people like with the giant eyeball face and all this, but it's interesting. It's an interesting take on like the body, uh, the the body double kind of like when you're you're fixated on someone that the, the stalking kind of thing. It's it's, it's an interesting take on that. I mean, film filmmakers are, are voyeurs anyway. So when exactly. you tap into that, and there's always like an underlying, uh, when they're personal or they're independent, you think well, there's a connection here. So it adds to the the creepy factor, I guess. Was was that a really polite way to say you're just all perverts? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> well, or some some are, some are, some are. So. <laughs> Degrees of perverts, yeah, yeah. right, at least, right. At least, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, yeah, another one I have to check out, Delirium, because it sounds fantastic. Just uh, outside of the sleazy, sleazy C reference, um, you know, just, <laughs> just the, uh, the, I love anything that's kind of avant-garde or, or just artistically different. Um, it's very different, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's an odd one. Like I say, it doesn't, it, it's, it's a jello, but it, there's, and, and as a time capsule of the '80s, there's like stuff where they just shoot on location. And they go to like this clothes store. There's this whole like stalking scene in the clothes store, and you're just there looking in this clothes store like, oh my god, if I was there with a credit card, like I, I would own everything, like all the clothes, like everything, like racks of like 80s Nikes and oh you know, you know, yeah, you're just seeing this stuff like, oh, it's a gold mine. It's just an absolute gold mine. Yeah, I mean that 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 in itself. Uh, one of the things I love about Italian horror, and oftentimes, and when we get to the number ones, this is what I did with my number one pick. I just turn the sound off and sometimes I put on a really killer soundtrack that I love and listen yeah. to it and just watch the movie, just the visuals, the visuals itself. Um, and especially with, you know, pulp eighties, like demons has a lot of that great eighties mm-hmm. fashion too. And yeah, I just, I love that about, again, about Italian horror films. Um, I was going to throw this one out here cause it just popped in my head. Uh, and, and, and just in a, in a comedic way, just like one we, you, it would never make a top list, but it, it might make a top <laughs> horrible list as far as Italian horror films are concerned, because they love to rip things off. And one of their great rip off horror films was a movie called The Last Shark, which is essentially. Uh, is uh, that uh, Jaws 5? That's not the Jaws 5 one, is it? No, no, no I think that one might be. It's cruel, also cruel called. Jewels, great, isn't it? Yeah, this one's yeah. also called Great White. It's just got a hilarious, um, gigantic shark like megalodon type shark and it's killing people uh it, it's jaws but it, it's a funny italian horror film that's worth seeking out and vic morrow i think vic morrow might be I, i'm i know he's dead now but uh he might have he was in like twilight he died in the twilight he on the movie. died on the bloody set of that thing didn't yeah. he yeah terrible so uh so you know this is one of his movies where uh you know it's worth <laughs> worth watching if you want to get entertained and laugh for your ass off so anyways yeah, yeah. Um, Cruel Jaws is actually coming out on Blu-ray, finally, isn't it? They've oh, got the yeah. rights to do that. Yeah, yeah. Finally, the, um, finally yeah, because uh, it kept getting shut down because it has, does actually have footage from Spielberg, Spielberg's Jaws in there, doesn't it? It's they used, <laughs> yeah, they built, they bought all the uh, the footage. There was like Australians that filmed all the underwater yes. stuff for the sharks. Yeah, 
And so the Italians just went over and said, we'll take all the offcuts from that. Thank you very much. And just no one will notice. Going sharp. Yeah, no one will notice. Everyone noticed. The, um, they, and so that was the end of it. But that's actually getting a release now. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Nice. I, I well, I'll, I'll be on the lookout because I'm, I'm back to buying all the physical media again. So <laughs> we have to, we have to, we have to have this stuff. It's, it's, it, with all this, you know, I mean, you've seen all this censorship on bloody uh, streaming platforms, like, you know, Disney Plus cutting out uh, Daryl Hannah's butt from Splash and all this stuff. And it's what? just like, do you know? Do you not know about that? No, I didn't know about that. Oh yeah, Splash on uh, Disney Plus. Uh, when she walks up to Tom Hanks and kisses him and runs into the sea. Yeah. Um. Used to see her. Used to see her rear end. Like, well, her hair flows up and she runs into the sea and you saw her butt and she jumped into the sea and that was it. But now they've put digital hair over it so you don't see her butt. Oh my God! It's you know like <laughs> you can't show a butt, but you can, but you can, you know, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. It, it, just leave no. it alone, you know. Leave and then, yeah. And that's why, yeah, that's why we have uh, the physical media is is Grab making it. A comeback. Hold on to it, treasure it, keep it. It's it's. I think it's the way of the future. I really do. I think yeah. these streaming services are just going to eat themselves with mediocre content, and oh yeah, people are going to turn around and go back to physical media. You can, you know, you you're kind of in an age of like you do, you don't own anything anymore. You borrow. No. And I think we're going to go back to we want things again, especially after everything was going on in the world now. We that element's been taken away where shops have gone and stores are closed and everything else. Yep. I think people are going to want to go out and buy these things again. Well, speaking of going and maybe buying something again, because I think you mentioned it earlier. Uh, nice let's jump segue. Your number... Very Thank nice. You. I, I have my moments. Um, <laughs> what's your number one choice? I know what it is already, but you let... know what it is. please yeah. reveal to everyone what your number one pick is. My number one, surprise, surprise, is 1985, Lamberto Barber directed, Dario Argento produced, Demons. The preview you are about to watch is for a movie that is unlike any you have ever seen before. It is for a movie that goes beyond temporary fear to everlasting terror. It is a movie called Demons. Yes, the demons are coming, and they're coming for you. Warning, if you have the courage to see demons, sit near an exit. Otherwise, you might never get out. In your theater, who will survive the touch of the demons, and who will not? Demons. With music by Billy Idol, Motley Crue, The Adventures, Rick Springfield, and Saxon. This is no dream. This is happening right now. And it could be happening to you. Demons. They will make cemeteries their cathedrals. And the cities will be your tomb. Will you survive it? Demons. And why do you think you know why? That's what I'm interested in. I have a feeling it has to do with one, um, possibly the mask that is in the movie. Okay. Being iconic. Um, I, but but I don't know. You I, I, Tell me, tell me. One of the reasons, like... All the obvious things we spoke about before, um, soundtrack, uh, just everything about it. 
I mean, he's so over the top, but the soundtrack, the way it looks, oh the God. cinematography, um, all those things, I was just completely attracted to it. Um, the thing that sca- really scares me about this film is when they turn into demons, they, their eyes, they just lose, they just become glowing eyes, don't they? they yeah. And I think taking that, that away from Love something, that. yeah, I think taking that away from something completely dehumanizes everything about it. Um, and I've got a kind of a funny thing about that. Um, it, I mean, if you look at the Nightwaves video, I use that same thing. Yeah, totally. People, yeah, yeah, where they've got the glow, the, the sea sirens have got the glowing eyes. Yep, and I actually got in sense. contact with, um, I've got a pal, actually, who lives out in um, L.A., named Al uh, Magalachetti, and he did the effects for, have you seen Spookies? Do you remember Spookies? Yes, yes. Yeah, he did the effects <laughs> on Spookies. He did T2. He did, uh, have you seen Brain Damage? With Elmer, yeah. the little puppet. He made the puppet. He what? made Elmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a really nice guy. He's a really good guy. And I'm, I'm, I'm buddies with him. And when I was talking about Night... Because Night Waves originally was going to be a film. Okay. Uh, and it was a script. And the guy, uh, the producer, was just like... I was just one of those boys I producers. You know what I'm talking about. And he was yeah. like, this thing's going to cost too much money. These glowing eyes. It's got to be CG. Everything's CG. It's like, it's not, it doesn't have to be CG. We can do it practically. There's no way. It's absolutely impossible. It's just like it's not impossible. So when it didn't become a film, I just went back and turned it into a book and made the music video. And I spoke to Al and I said, like, how the hell did they make these eyes in Demons? How did they do this? And they used the same technique for the Bonnie Tyler music video. Uh, yeah. Of the heart. Yeah. And he goes, oh, I know how you do that. You just need to get some of the phosphorescent uh, material you get on like jackets that you, when you ride um, uh, your bike. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the the, the material that glows, uh, like workman wear and things yep, like that. Yep. They, yep, yep, you get some of that. You cut it out to the shapes of eyes. You stick it on the eyelids, tell them to close their eyes. And above the camera, you just get like a, a white light and shine the white light. And then on the camera, they glow. I was like, oh, okay. that's so cool. It, see, it's so easy. It was so easy. And this 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 whole technique was the reason why this project, Nightwaves as a film, didn't happen because of this thing about the glowing eyes. And it's like, this is so simple. We can just do it like this, like this is how it works. But that that dehumanising of something by taking away, I mean, the they say the eyes are the, the the window to the soul, and it's true, right? Because you take that away, and and it feels. I mean, look at the Terminator. He walks around with the sunglasses on. He's yeah. soulless. Yeah, yeah, it's totally true. Um, I, I have a, I've, I've met a few agents in the past. And they've turned up the sunglasses on. I'm thinking, oh my god, take them off, take them off, take yeah, them off. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, we're indoors and it's night. You don't need sunglasses on. Take off the sunglasses. Um, well, uh, you know, uh, uh, Richard Pryor, has, has, there's a quote from Richard Pryor. He's like, if you wear your sunglasses inside or at night, you're an asshole. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's totally true. I can, I can, yeah, I can completely attest to that. It's true. Like yeah. everyone who I've met who does that yeah. is an asshole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying about the eyes in, in demons, obviously there's a lot of gore. There's a lot of like shock moments, but yeah, that the iconic, it's the cover of the poster, uh, mm. the cover of the video uh, tape when they're, they're coming, coming up, up the stairs yeah yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's such a great shot and it, yeah i agree dude like it is one of my favorite moments in that movie um you know yeah the film is bonkers with with just the oh, over completely yeah it's, it, it's so great it's so much fun it's but so the, much fun it's, it's so funny to me like that, that it works on so many levels that film because yeah, oh. the, I mean, if you, I mean, I've been thinking about this for years. But the moment it feels like a Lamberto Barba film, like I say, it does a lot of TV stuff, and it kind of feels like that up uh-huh. until the horror starts. And there's the scene where the girl, where the prostitute, puts the mask on, she gets the scratch on her face, and then she goes to the bathroom, 
And literally, if you look at that film and deconstruct it in terms of cinematography and color, when she walks in there, it's yellow. And yellow is giallo. That is, that's yep. the meaning of That's what they called it. It was colorful. And that film's like, it feels like a TV film. And as soon as the horror starts in the yellow room and the girl gets scratched, runs outside, the color palette of that film changes to blue and red, the old Gento colors. That's when the horror starts. Ooh, it, wow. there's, if you look at it, yeah, if you really look at it, and there's some very clever moments with the editing. Um, do you remember that there was like that old redhead girl who's like, it feels like she's part of it somehow, but it's never really revealed. She works yes. in the cinema. Yeah, the the if you look at the moment, there's a nice long shot where they they pat, they dolly along uh, the four characters sitting watching the film in the cinema, and she's behind with a torch. And like we were saying before about that line between fantasy becoming reality, and that's what Demons is all about, just like stage fright. But yeah. this is why I think Demons succeeds that bit more, because it's, it, it's, it's very sophisticated in what it does, but it's so sophisticated in what it does, you might not necessarily see it. Because that scene there, when she's walking along with the torch, she's, she's shining it around. And as she shines it up towards the screen, you get this really subtle cut to the film they're watching. And her light turns into the light of the, the motorbikes on screen. And so there's this uh-huh. slow kind of transition of like these two worlds are merging slowly. Yeah, there's totally. Things, yeah, there's things that are happening here. And the, the, the lights of the, the headlights on the screen of the film they're watching uh, match the opening shot of the film uh, of Demons when the, there's like the train coming along. And there's all these kind of uh, uh, synch- everything synchronizes to come to this point of what's on the screen turns into reality. And that that it, it does feel like more a sophisticated version of what happens in stage fright, and so you get this kind of subtext of this thing going on in like this gonzo over the top horror film with gore and music, and the dialogue. Is, and this is a funny thing, like we were saying about the, the the Italians. They um they write this like on the nose American dialogue, and you know like like I was saying yeah. about the Dallas. Thing. They wear Hokey. big clothes and they wear big hair, and it's just like yeah. it's Dallas. And, and in this, they kind of get it right when they do the film within a film, because the film within totally. the film is quite cheesy. And one of my favorite lines in it is when they're going, oh, yeah, this is uh, the prophecy from Nostradamus. And the girl turns around and goes, Nostradamus sounds like a rap group to me. And it's like, <laughs> you really got, you understood, like, it was supposed yeah. to be a cheesy horror film, and you got it in something I... which could be a cheesy horror film. And then there's a definite distinction between the two. I feel like they totally capture, yeah, they totally capture um, uh, the the vibe of that time, and they got it right. They got it right clearly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, it makes sense why it would be your number one. I might even consider bumping it up further down the road as well uh, after after a rewatch because it's been a, a couple of years since I actually watched it uh, all the way through. And I will be maybe I'll bump it up to the top once I get the proper version on <laughs> yeah, Blu-ray. No, I hope I have that synapse version. I have a feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, actually, actually, just press the audio button. Just pre- if it's the synapse version, press the audio button. It's like audio to English. There it is. That's the proper soundtrack. That's what I gotta do because I think yeah. what I have is I I think I have the Anchor Bay DVD with it. It was Demons One and Two. Um, You've got like the American way, version. Yeah, yeah, and that's not the right one. Um, but dude, yeah, I mean, look, I, I feel like I I can just listen to you all day talk about your love of that movie because. <laughs> It sells it, man. You're you're so good at selling it. Sincerely, thank but you. I, thank you. Um, I, I'll just drop my number one really you, quick. I need to know this. I'm really I'm very curious about this. So, so my yeah. number 
My number one is, is very popular and people will be like, oh yeah, that makes sense why it's your number one. But uh, but there's a little backstory on it. Um, I, I own the, the graphic novel that came out after the fact. I own the vinyl uh, soundtrack to it. This movie kind of changed my life in many ways when I was dabbling in the screenwriting uh, and filmmaking aspect of my life where I wanted to, I just love uh, this alternate world in this alternate universe that, you know, obviously demons shares um, this idea that you step into the unknown and what is the unknown? And the unknown is the 1981 film, the beyond. Oh, again, with the applause. You are Eliza, aren't you? Yes. My name is Emily. I've been looking for you. Leave this place. Sixty years ago, everybody in this hotel disappeared. Every last person. A painter called Spike, who lived here, closeted in his room, had found a key. Tell me, with all those accidents, you think you'll um, give it up now? I couldn't do that if I wanted to. Well, I won't give in. Who else is here? There's nobody here. I can feel a presence. Somebody else is in here. Oh, some weird story that Emily told me about room 36. Emily? Who's Emily? The blind girl that lives in the old house by the crossroads. No! No! No, no Spike! Go away! I don't want to go back! The girl that lives in the old house by the crossroads? Yes! That house has been abandoned for the last 50 years. But that's not true. It's not possible. I was there. This house was constructed on one of this... Woe be unto him who opens one of the seven gateways to hell. Because through that gateway, evil will invade the world. Yeah, I, you know what? I've never really thought about the film that way, as you've just described it, but it, it completely is that. It completely is that. You've, you've spun a whole new um, emphasis on what that is, in a way. Oh, right Especially on. the ending, thinking of the ending. Definitely. That's, 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 that was, yeah, that was very eloquently put on that one. Definitely. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, I have that, I have that, uh, coffee table book about, it's like the films of Lucio Fulci and, um, oh, the cover yeah. is the, the last shot of the movie. Mm. And again, with the eyes going white, um, and, and it's got, it's, it's surreal. It's dreamlike throughout. Um, it, it's for me, that was, this is the movie I put on as a background for like a Halloween party with 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 killer soundtrack going on where people go, what the hell is this? What are we watching? You know, from uh, from the weird tarantula tongue eating scene in the, oh, God, the in, library, yeah, oh, yeah, God. and the dingy, dirty dungeon uh, basement of this old hotel, and it involves you know. Well, look, if that was if you had that hotel and you walked yeah. downstairs and that was your basement, you just walk back out again. Hell you? no, you I would. <laughs> 
late as to quote to quote uh cory on that late um i'd be tapping out dude like (laughs) i wouldn't want to yeah and and this film also i feel like is has is very lovecraftian in a way um with its gothic setting of new orleans and um and just the the bodies rising and the narrator and just everything the the symbol of ibon i think ibon press uh is a is a is a comic book company uh and they put out a graphic novel with the soundtrack on cd in it which i have and and it's really cool i feel like this film plays really well as a as a as a book or a comic book um and almost in many ways it's it's better because you have your own voice versus you know kind of the the bad dubbing that goes on throughout this movie (laughs) of italian films that we all know and love but the dubbing is you know it sometimes can take away from uh sometimes quite often does take mm-hmm. away from the story because you're just like oh it's so bad but um but th- it doesn't in this case and it didn't in demons and i don't think it does in any of our top fives um overall but yeah that's my number that's my number one i think it's an amazing film uh that that again like we were saying before that was actually uh, a band title here in the uk uh, with the other ones and then we did nice. when we did get it we got there's there's another name for this isn't there is it is it like the seven doors of death or something yes yes yeah yeah we got the the edited american version okay um with even more cuts they cut more out of this thing because there's a um i have a magazine i think it's like a, a film review or something like an old 80s english film uh, obviously film review magazine and they i found the actual page where they reviewed the beyond when it was released oh cool and they're telling you about the film and they're going yeah there was a backstory about there was a warlock who was tortured you know in new orleans in the you know 1800s uh, but that's not in this version because it was cut out and the whole scene's gone and they're doing this review talking about film was you know that we're, we're filling in the plot points you're not going to see on yeah. the screen because they're all gone they've all been cut out and it got a terrible review because you, you, you're basically watching something that's butchered. There's the, 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 yep. That's not the film. It's, you're more like, it's like an extended trailer of something that exists somewhere else. Um, wow. But, that, but yeah, that film is, um, I think um, Lucio Fulci does a very good job. And it's like um, Return of the Living Dead, Dan O'Bannon. When you see the scene where uh, they chuck the body into the fire and you see the smoke go up and around uh, uh, out into the sky, like going through yeah. the pipes and blowing. That becomes a character in that film, that smoke. Totally. You recognise when you see that again, okay, the chemical the zombies are going to come. It becomes a character. And I think Lucio does that in the scene in this. Um, is it like the acid that falls on the face of the, yeah. the court? And you see that creeping, like bloody, mucusy, acidy, and that becomes like a creeping uh, it's it's like a cosmic horror thing, isn't it? This is where the Lovecrafting kind of cosmic horror you get this creeping mass of death coming yep. towards this young girl, and uh, and Lucio does that very well in this film, I think. The, gives these things uh, characteristics that uh, normally another director wouldn't. Yeah, I I think he he, I mean for me it's his it's his uh you know piece de resistance like whatever uh you know but um and 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 it's got those iconic moments that you see plaster all over horror novels where, you know, the girl's brain, the, the, after, I know uh, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. The young girl with the, the pigtails and that hot, yeah, gets her yeah. head just shot <laughs> off. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, man, uh, this, this is, uh, for me, this was like 
the, the I, I've seen countless midnight screenings of this in LA. Um, wow. And didn't and, Tarantino release it? Rolling Thunder Pictures back in the he, late nineties. He did. Didn't he it? did. Yep. He yeah. did a version of it. Uh, actually, uh, yeah, him and Sage Stallone. Uh, That's right. Yes. Yeah. Sage Stallone is actually the reason this film got uh, unearthed. It mm. pretty much had died at that point. No one had found the proper print or the cleaned up version, the uncut version. Sage Stallone um, did. And with Tarantino, uh, I, I forget the name of it. It might have been Grindhouse Pictures or Grindhouse. It was Rolling, Th- Rolling Thunder Pictures, wasn't it? That was the, yeah. the, the kind of sub. That, that was Tarantino's releasing company. That yeah. He and, things out with. Yeah. I think Sage actually, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm probably wrong on this, but I, there, there is a piece of it that's true. Sage either owned the original work print or knew someone that did. That's how he was able to get it um, unearthed. But it's because of wow. Sylvester Stallone's son. So uh, yeah. when he passed away, I actually wrote a, a whole thing about how important he was to the horror community because he was such a huge uh, proponent of finding these movies that, would have gotten forgotten so uh yeah so no he was he, he loved it didn't he yeah he was a a, a, a big champion for for italian horror he's um yeah i think dad covered so many bases with this like talking I, about these films it's it's like our, our history of italian horror in a, yeah. you know yeah 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 i mean the watch list the watch list is supposed to be pretty comprehensive i think it it is um hmm. you know i i've had a wonderful time with you, dude. This has really been great. Uh, and and, same, and as, we, as, as we start to wrap up, uh, I just want to say, like, where can we find you in the in the universe? You can find me in the universe um, on Facebook uh, as David Irons um, and on Twitter as David Irons 79 on Instagram as David Irons writer. And if you just go to Amazon, Type in David Irons Wolf Moon, David Irons Nightwaves, David Irons Polybius. You can find my books. They're all on there. And if you got Amazon Prime, you can have them the next day. So they're all there. Well, that's, I'll be, I know what I'm going to be ordering once we get off the phone. So uh, Polybius sounds, I, they all sound great, but. You you know, know, uh, wait for the second edition of Polybius because the first okay. edition, this isn't anything to do with me, but the first edition has become a collector's item. And to buy a copy of that novel now is £103. Well, cheers to that, my friend. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, I know it's a, it's a good thing, but people, everyone says I need to read Polybius. Not yet. Just just okay. just wait for the second edition of it because I'll wait. It, I'll yeah, wait. yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Yeah, hundred percent. Um. Yeah, and and really quick, guys, if uh you can find me on uh Instagram, obviously at Podcasting After Dark, and uh my other podcast, Two Dollar Late Fee um and two dollar late feed.com and that's where you can find me but david irons it's been a pleasure to have you on uh as a as a as a new friend as i feel like a now a, f- a future lifelong friend yes uh, definitely, and, and definitely equal fan of cinema this has been uh not only a fun trip down memory lane but also a history lesson as well and just thank you for sharing everything that you have and giving up your time, man. I, I know you're, you're a busy guy. So uh, it's been an honor to have you on the show and I'm looking forward to having you back on for a future oh, watch you. list. I'm already thinking of some topics where we're like, come on, let's do this or that. 
yeah no i really appreciate this is it's, it's been great like i said i've been looking forward to like chatting with you you just you make those connections in life and there's there's moments when you see someone or you know you, you kind of chat and it's like oh yeah that guy I, I know i'm gonna get on well with that guy this guy seems like a a good guy and i had that you know feeling about this and uh, yeah it's, it's it's been great i've absolutely loved it and uh, it's a pleasure to come back a pleasure Thank you. And yeah, and just a little bit of advice for anyone. If you feel like, uh, you know, make a connection with somebody, you think someone's cool, tell them because you never know what might come out of that. Exactly. Good advice. So until then, as I always say, we'll catch you on the dark side. Thank you for listening to Podcasting After Dark's Watch List. And, as always, thank you for your support. <laughs>